welcome to episode 35 of the Massive Attack podcast. I'm Joe, as usual, and here on this balmy night in Melbourne with me is Mitch. Hi. <laughs> well, you were so unenthused last time, I thought I'd follow suit. Hi. Yes. Well, we are bringing this out probably a week earlier than we normally would, because we've got a lot planned for December, so we don't want to bombard you too much. We jump in now and have a bit of a chat. So, no real topic tonight. We're just going to go through some of our normal bits and pieces. Good way to start is probably gaming. Gaming, yes. Me first? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I've sort of gone retro. You have? Oh, a little bit. Um, I noticed on the American Xbox, whatever they call it. Store. store. They had as San Andreas, or GTA San Andreas, which is the old 10-year-old GTA game, which by all reports is the best one. Yep. I don't know. And it was like four dollars okay so i'm like I, c- I can afford four dollars i'll give it a go because people swear by it so it's like yeah all right let's try it and i'm a th- four hours in or something and i'm scared because i've just talked to other people who've played this game and love it and they said oh you got so much more you go this and you do this and you do this and it's like it's gonna be days that i'm in this game yeah. so i'm sort of a bit scared actually from what i've heard it is the best one i haven't played a gta game since Liberty City. No, I loved the top-down ones, but Mm. I wasn't very good after they went 3D. Mm. But a friend of the show, Joel, is a big fan of San Andreas, and he would probably give you some tips of the good bits in it. But yeah, from what I've heard, it is a good one. And I think it recently got a a bit of an up-res and released on Xbox 360, including achievements and that sort of stuff. It's got achievements, but if that's up-res, it must have been pretty fucking ugly. Well, it was an Xbox original game, and Xbox original PlayStation 2 sort of era. And you used to be able to get it through arcade classics or whatever, they used to call the the old xbox originals that they put out on 360 through the store but now this is actually yeah a, a proper 360 version but yeah I, I don't know i haven't seen it myself so i don't know how raised up it was but it was pretty boxy back in the day it's pretty boxy and have they changed any of the music it's still got all the uh, the 90s gangster rap and yeah into the jungle and all that sort of stuff yeah that's all in there yeah i was very excited faith no more popped up oh did they yeah midlife crisis started playing one day and i just stopped i was like hang on <laughs> i know that song i like that song yeah because i think in before that the ones that i've played they never used to have licensed music the old GTAs they used to have just sort of generic sounding rock songs well I, the only one I'd played before this I went to a friend's and they were playing it and it was Playstation 2 era and I'm, what was the first one was Vice City the first I, I don't know I think Vice City might have been before Liberty City I'm not sure one of those anyway uh, she might have been the other way around I remember playing it and pretty much mission wise they weren't doing anything like that it was just going around and crashing cars and doing yeah. all that and I think if you hit the ramp the car would slow down and the cameras would pan around while you were flying in the air kind yeah, of yeah I think so so we got a school bus. So we just sort of made our effort to try and see how far we could get a school bus to go. So we were just finding the biggest ramp we could. And we plugged on the classical music channel in the radio and flew this bus off an edge. And yeah, that that's my only experience before now of playing Grand Theft Auto. But it's funny because you start off with a bike. You don't get a car. You get a push bike. And you got to ride to your house. And it's like a, a low rider push bike, isn't it? Oh, it's just a pushy. But it just reminded me of playing Bully, which yep. obviously Rockstar made that as well. And it's just like, oh. I think it's a different team, though. I think it's like Rockstar Montreal or something. Yeah, yeah. something. But it was just like, oh, push bike. I know this. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of cool, that. And it, it is a crazy game for how much is in it. You go and play other games now and you go, oh, they're six hours long or whatever. And you go, yep. it is hard to compare. So I understand why people who love this sort of thing would be so excited about GTA Five coming out and how big they are and yep. what they can do with them. Whereas, and then you turn around and get a... If you don't play the online, obviously Call of Duty is a six-hour campaign and that's it. There's yeah, not much yeah, of a exactly. game in a six-hour game yeah. versus months. 
I could see this being months. So I don't know. It's sort of weird because I'm not getting excited to play it because it's still only early in the game. So I'm not powered up. I'm still sort of restricted as to what I can do. Yeah. So I'm sort of like, oh. So to get any real sort of game out of it, I need to play a couple of hours to sort of get a bit done. I can't just go in do 20 minutes and turn it down. So it means I'm not jumping on as often because I've got to find that time to play. So yeah. Yeah, it makes it a bit hard, doesn't it? Have you still got my copy of Red Dead Redemption? Yep. I'd give that a try once you finish this because that's very much Grand Theft Horse mm. and you'd probably get a bit out of that again it's yes, I have time to do it yeah it's time and that's the thing so that's why I'm sort of going maybe I'll with Grand Theft I'll just play it for a month stop put another game in that I can finish in a month and then yeah. go back and just you know toss it up a bit mm. well sp- speaking of finishing games yeah I actually did finish something for <laughs> probably my third or fourth game I've finished this year I think mm. I mentioned on the last episode that I'd been playing Dishonored mm-hmm and I thought I was pretty close to the end, and it turns out I was. I only had two more missions to do. I'm kind of glad I played it. I liked the ending. It was a good wrap-up of the story, but it was, yeah, nothing flash, but it was good to actually achieve the finishing again. It gave me that warm, fuzzy feeling, because everything else I've been playing lately is just that sort of, you know, endless just play and then play and play, such as my addiction to WWE Supercars. So you're still playing it? I am. Sucker. And Have you spent I, any more money? No, I haven't, actually. And I, I've actually been playing quite a bit, and I've been doing some of the little extra things that they have. They have a thing called a People's Champion. And when I first started playing, I had no idea what it was, but now I've actually worked out how to do it, and that's a good way to actually get some decent cards as rewards. So I now have my whole deck is ultra rares, and I have one epic. Have you heard about the people who've learned to scam it? I have. They'll have some really kick-ass cards, put some shitty cards in their deck, which takes them down to a lower grade, which means I'll beat everyone they play. Yeah. So it's not fun no and then i I realized i was actually getting beaten by cards that were supposedly the same as mine and i thought well maybe people are cheating but then i actually read an faq and realized that i've been creating pro cards incorrectly because if you get two of the same card you can join them together to create a pro card and i was actually doing that as soon as i got the cards but the deal is you actually train the cards up until they're both maxed out and then turn them into a pro and then max it out again and it's actually a higher value card uh, for those card nerds out there that might be interested. You're just a dumb card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, I'm, I'm about 4,400 games in now. Oh, so I've, I've got sake. a couple of good rewards for, for playing that. And I've got a, an ultra rare John Cena that's a pretty good card. And my kids still sit there and help me pick the cards at the end and get excited over people. <laughs> I think they've started to realise that some of them aren't as good as they think they are because, you know, the names come up and I go, oh, not going to get into Yep, the kids don't like Coffee Kingston anymore, so that's all good. <laughs> but speaking of the kids and finishing games, we've actually gone back and we've finished Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga again. So just this afternoon, we did the very last level of that and finished all the story of that. I don't know if the kids will go back and be quite as pedantic as I was. I'm or pretty sure they anal, won't. if you want to read it that way. And, you know, 100% it, but we've actually completed all the chapters. We haven't got all the mini kits and all that. Have they seen the movies yet? No, but we have been watching a lot of uh, Star Wars Rebels. Okay. And they sent their letters to Santa off the other day, and the older boy, my seven-year-old, has decided that he wants a couple of Star Wars Rebels Lego things for Christmas. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And, yeah, and another thing that I've been playing a little bit of with the kids is Fruit Ninja Connect. I'm finally getting a bit of use out of my Connect. Connect. I've had it, what? Two years now? Three years, maybe? Three, I think. Probably, yeah. Probably would be, because I think I got it just as we started the podcast. Mm. So, yeah, three years, and it's actually working a little bit better for me now that we've got a new TV unit in the house that sits up a little bit higher off the ground, so the Connect can actually 
see the room a bit better. But the kids and I have been busting a few moves out with Fruit Ninja, chopping down the fruit, which is kind of fun. So yeah, again, getting the kids involved, jumping around rather than just sitting with a controller. I do have a couple of other Kinect games that I've bought when they've been on sale, but I haven't actually got around to it. I think this time last year I bought the Nicktoons MLB. Or the baseball. Baseball one. Yep. But again, I haven't even booted that up, so I don't know if that's any good. And... I finally succumbed to peer group pressure, I guess, and I started playing Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, which you've been handing me about since this time last year again, probably. Pretty much. Because, yeah, Games for Gold title a couple of months ago was Battlefield 2. I think it might have been last month's Battlefield 2 Bad Company or Battlefield Bad Company 2 or something. And I felt like a bit of a shooter and I thought I'd try that. And I got probably half an hour into the first mission. And I thought, no, this isn't for me today. Yeah, I think I played a Battlefield. I think it was a Battlefield. And I just lasted literally an hour. Because it was just like, I, I don't... It didn't make sense to me. The control scheme was just sort of wrong compared to shooters. I'm so used to playing Gears where, you know, you have the grenade on one trigger. And, mm. and the zoom is the other trigger sort of thing. So, or the melee is on one trigger. But yeah, Battlefield, the layout was just completely wrong for me. And I found that I was throwing grenades when I was meant to be crouching. It just wasn't and just, fun. Yeah. I think the storyline probably didn't do much for me either. It's a bit early. Yeah. But it's funny because the early Call of Duty ones, I really like that whole World War Two sort of mm. sort of thing. But yeah, the, the first mission, I think it's based on like Iwo Jima or something. So yeah, you're off the coast of Japan trying to stop something. Yep. But yeah, I, I didn't get very far at all and I gave that up. And then yeah, last night I thought, well, I still kind of feel like a shooter. Maybe I should give this Blood Dragon a go. And I think I got about four missions in. And? Yeah, I like it. I kind of like the whole feel of it. Like I'm a fan of Far Cry, so I like the way that that works. And there's a lot of things that are very similar to how Far Cry works, obviously. And, you know, you find yourself just wandering around the road looking for a car and random enemies come up and you can blow them up and steal their car and stuff. So I kind of like that. I don't know if I like all of the ideal about it, the whole sort of like robotic hand and all that sort of stuff, but it's cool. And I, I, I think it's short, isn't it? Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably about two hours in, so... I'm on, what, a third of the way through? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm... Boy, you'll love the ending. Yeah. And it what I thought was weird there, because I was playing it for a while and I was thinking, I haven't had any achievements. But then when I when I stopped, I looked at my list and I had achievements there. They just weren't popping. So I don't know if I had something oh. turned off. But yeah, I I, I, but yeah, I just thought it was strange that I wasn't getting any pop-ups for the achievements. But mm. as it turns out, I was. Fair enough. There you go. Well, as far as gaming for me, that's about it for me. I'm still playing Spellfall. That's that's a gimme at the moment. We were at my nephew's the other day in that world of Keflings, so they were playing that, and it's a, you've talked about it before in previous casts. Yeah, again, this time last year. It was one of the November, December sort of titles for Games for Gold last year. Yeah, and my wife's going, I could play this. It's a resource management sort of game where you get command people to dig or carry or transport or make. Yeah. And she goes, oh, I could do something like that. And Friday, I just couldn't be bothered gaming. And she goes, oh, do you want to watch stuff? Watch it. We watched a few shows and we had time to watch more. And I'm like, yeah, I can't be bothered. Do you want to play that game? So I end up like, just sitting on my iPad while she played and just watched her play for two and a half hours on the first night and then another three hours the next day. I mean, it, it, it was fun to watch. She's just figuring it out and I'm just like in a dead zone. So I'm just like, yeah, do whatever. But... It's, it's kind of funky. The music's calming as well. So it was very, yeah, it was quite relaxing. <laughs> yes, it was interesting. Like, it's not a game I would play personally, I don't think, because I, I don't care enough to keep like, going. It's too slow. Like, I was like, it it's all about putting slow. things in yeah. place, and it's like, come on, hurry up. Yeah, yeah so I'd get a bit antsy. you got to make certain things to make your blueprints to then build that and stuff. But, yeah, I didn't realise that it had an end point. Like, I was playing and playing, thinking, yeah, I'm going to build up my town, and it's going to be great. And then I got to the end, and I'd built, like, one thing at the end, and it's like... 
congratulations, you're done, sort of thing. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I went looking to see what the DLC was like, but the DLC was still quite expensive back last year when I played it. So. I think it still is. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't bother. But, yeah, I, I got quite a few hours of entertainment out of it. And, again, it was something I could play while the kids were watching and it wasn't overly violent. Mm. So, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that's about it for me for games. Yeah, that's about it for me this month as well. Like We were talking earlier about the sales and the Games for Gold titles this month and I think this is actually the first month that's come along where I know I'm not going to be bothering because the first title for the month was Viva Piñata Trouble in Paradise which I've already got on disc and haven't played and the second was going to be Red Faction Gorilla is it the first Red Faction but I played that for a little while and traded it in because I didn't like it so yeah yeah it's a bit of a disappointment. And the the last title for the second title for November was actually Darksiders 2 that I didn't bother with because I haven't played Darksiders. I probably should have because you've got Darksiders. I could have just I borrowed the disc. But our friend Cam, who's he actually got it without playing the first one because it was free and he's loving it. Okay. And he actually borrowed Darksiders 1 off me because of it. So like, oh, it's just as good. Oh, really? Not knowing much about it. So hmm. he discovered no, that. I've missed out now, so oh well. But yeah, that, still borrow them off me I've got them on that's probably good anyway that's gaming now you said you've been watching a little bit of TV a little bit actually quite a bit yeah, yeah by the look of the well normally I don't TV. talk about certain shows they're just on they're yeah. just regular things that I watch and I don't actually bring them up but I just wrote them all down this time so I'm like, oh yeah I write a lot I, I do actually watch a lot Arrow, Flash, Gotham, Constantine are the four DC comic TV shows yeah so Arrow's just as good as it has been every other year it's really good so what's this third season of Arrow now yes yeah uh, which has got a spin-off show, which is The Flash, which is great, because Arrow's quite a dark show. It's like Batman light, in a way, where it's very much a Batman-style show. It's, a, it's all dark and broody, and, you know, he's a dude, no superpowers, who it's a vigilante. Hmm. But The Flash is quite a bit more upbeat than, than Arrow. It's it's happier, it's brighter, it's like during the day, got all the jokes. It's quite, okay. And it's, it's, what, five episodes in, and I'm enjoying it so far. A lot of Easter eggs for comic fans that you can go oh that's this thing that's this thing this might lead somewhere so that was the thing with Arrow though a lot of people that weren't really comic fans got into Arrow didn't they yeah it's like very like my sister watches it and she had no idea that it's comic well you don't need to and that's the thing yeah. um, where Gotham on the other hand is the pre-Batman show yeah. so it's set in Gotham City it's a young Jim Gordon before his commissioner it starts off with the Wayne parents being killed so you've got a young Bruce Wayne and there's a young Edward Nygma who will become the Riddler. There's a young Oswald Cobblepot whose nickname is the Penguin who's working his way up the ranks of the organised crime and there's hints of different factions and things coming through. It, the first episode was over the top with its preempting. oh, this person's that someone dropping. we know. Yeah, it, it got a bit ridiculous and silly. It's calmed down a lot since then, which is good because it needed to. And it's an interesting show. If it wasn't Batman-related, I probably wouldn't keep going. But I am intrigued. Yeah, I've, I haven't i have actually watched a whole episode yet. I've watched probably the first 10, 15 minutes of that first opener. And then I saw the ending of it one time when I was around here with you. And I just found that the guy that's playing Gordon is quite a good actor. But I'm finding that everyone else around him is really hamming it up. Uh, oh, the only real bad actor is, I think, Jada Pinkett. Like, she's trying to... She's telling Eartha Kit for okay. some reason. Well, Where Donald Luke's fantastic. I haven't as far as that. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who was the other policeman that was like his superior or something in the that, Donald Lug with the beard? Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't think he was that good. No, he's awesome, is he? Yeah. Maybe he gets better. But that scene, the first scene that I saw was where the prisoner stole one of the other cops' guns, and yep. Jim Gordon talked him down rather than resulting to violence. Yeah, and pilots you see, really can't do a lot with because they're trying to set tone too much. It's sort of like yep. you got to wait till the third episode where everyone sort of felt their role. The writers are sort of 
found their voices. Pilots are a bit hard. Yeah, well, that's the whole idea of a pilot, isn't it? It's what you send out there to get the funding so you can afford to make the rest. And mm. then when they sort of go, yeah, I'll give you the money if you do this or change this sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of pilots, then we started the Constantine, which is Hellblazer, which is a long-running comic for DC. There was a movie with Keanu Reeves a couple of years ago based on the same property, but this is a TV show now. At least they've got an English blonde guy to play Constantine. He's it's Welsh, a, isn't he? Not that I don't know. Is the he? actor? Or, no, the actor. Uh, maybe. Well, at least he's not American. He's, he's not yeah, Keanu. Exactly. It's essentially supernatural. It's, okay. it's a monster of the week. He's driven to go somewhere. There's someone divined all these blood spots on a map and there's going to be something happening at these spots. So he hunts down this monster of the week, essentially. Yeah, I don't really remember that much about the movie, but I can't remember it being that good. I, I really dug the movie. Like, it wasn't the comic, yeah. but I don't have a major interest in yeah, the comic, again, so I'm I've not super really vested in it. But it was it was a good story because they piggybacked off the Garth Ennis storyline. And it was and that those elements were really kind of cool. It wasn't a terrible movie. Did it have, like, him pairing up with, like, some taxi driver or something? Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. I thought it was Shia LaBeouf, yeah. I was thinking... And Gavin Rossdale was, like, an angel. Yeah. I thought he was pretty good. Was he the bad guy? Mm Mm-hmm. One of them. Maybe I should go and watch the movie. It's got good elements in it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. but Different. Yeah, so, to Constantine, I don't know how much it's... It's not connected to the other shows at all, so there's no crossovers going to happen with these. But in the pilot episode, he's got sort of a a shack that he lives in, which is almost like the TARDIS. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And, yeah, they pick up Dr. Fate's helmet. So, there is... Maybe they might go off to the magic side of the DCU and be able to bring in some characters, but it's sort of weird now that you've got different shows in different companies producing these things, whereas, like, who's got access to who? Yeah. Like, Zatanna's a character whose magic, like, she could turn up in Constantine, but there's no reason she couldn't turn up in The Flash, because she's a member of the Justice League at some point, but who's controlling these rights or do they have all have access because I know like with Marvel it's very different that there's a Spider-Man universe so Sony owns that so anything involved with Spider-Man is Sony so Marvel can't touch it because they've got the rights to the movies yeah Fox own X-Men, so anything X-Men related belongs to Fox. So is that why they've killed off Wolverine in the comics? Well, that's the rumours. The rumours are that basically they're not pushing mutants at all because they want to get the rights to the mutants back so they can do it themselves. So they're just taking all the interest away. Fantastic Four, they're ending that comic as well because Fox have the rights to Fantastic Four as well. Yeah. So they want to get, they want to bring it all back. Wasn't Fantastic Four was struggling though when they put Spider-Man into the comics, didn't they? Is when part of the Fantastic Four? Uh, I... It's always, it's been, yeah, it's been a struggling book always, I think. So they always change it up. It's not a constant. They're always sort of mixing it up just to make it, try and get some sort of spike in sales. Because it, it was their first sort of, of the modern Marvel era. That was the first book. So it's a, it's a legacy book in that way. Yeah. It, it's always been kind of aimed at the younger reader, though, isn't it? Fantastic form? No, it's just a different tone. Because it, it's a family. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not over-the-top violent, there's no killing in it, it's not, you don't have Wolverine or a Punisher in there or anything, But so it's a bit lighter in tone in that way. And it's about a family, so it's a mum and dad and they've got kids. and yeah. So it's not your typical superhero capes. There's no alter egos. It's, it's, it's a family drama yeah. as opposed to your normal superhero comics in that way, and it's all about science science ideas. So, so it, it is a very different sort of book, and I guess people don't want that, hmm. and that's hurts the sales and yeah, those exactly. sort of things. Because, you know, they've thrown some A-grade people on the books, and it's done okay, but, yeah, it's, you're not going to have Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, 140-issue runs on it anymore that people are labouring for. Yeah. Well, you're not really going to get that with anything anymore, right? Not really. I mean, Bendis has had a good run with Ultimate Spider-Man, but... 
but you know, yeah, not not yeah, a, exactly. not over a hundred runs of things unless they're creator own that people want to put out. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's quite a lot of TV. Well, I've actually been watching some more. Okay, we'll go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I watched Selfie, which is a well, it's not the greatest, but it's a sitcom starring Karen Gillan, who was Amy Pond in Doctor Who. Yeah, and it was basically a retelling of My Fair Lady or Pygmalion. Okay, but a modern thing where she's takes selfies. She's obsessed with social networks and social medias and and how much like she's got versus liking other people and actually taking notice. And it's the Asian guy from Harold and Kumar. I can't remember his name, but he's playing the guy who's teaching her. So it's like, you have to be a better person than this. So he's teaching her to be a better person at the same time. She's teaching him how to lighten up a bit and have a bit of fun. Was it John Cho? Is that his name? Could be. Anyway. And I actually didn't mind it, but I just found out yesterday it's been axed, so... okay. So I was like, I'll enjoy the eight episodes or whatever that I get and be done with that. But Snuffbox is something I found on Netflix the other day, (laughs) and I just texted you saying, I just watched a show with Matt Berry and Rich Fulcher. It's English, it's about 10 years old, and it's about a a hangman (laughs) and his assistant. And you go, when's it set? It's like, now. And it's just, it's like Mighty Boosh absurd. It's just Yeah, just watching that episode before, it was kind of like bits of it were jumping around, and I was trying to work out if they were still the same characters or whether they were different people. They don't make it easy to know. No, but bits of it were very funny. It's just bizarre yeah like they they go to a gentleman's club for hangman and there's a door if you go in the wrong door it actually takes you back in time to 1888 <laughs> so yes. it's yes yeah, strange but um yeah so I, I yeah didn't know it existed and i really like matt berry he's i just love his voice he can say things yeah fuck it it's the funniest <laughs> yeah, fuck it i've ever heard there's a lot of gratuitous swearing <laughs> superfluous swearing dude yeah, so I discovered that, which is like kind of funny. And then the other thing I watched, I was watching a doco, and I love my Sherlock Holmes, as I mentioned before. And there was a, and I was going through Netflix, and there was Lord Sherlock Tortoise documentary. I was just saying everything we've learnt from Sherlock that we use in modern day criminology. And on my Netflix queue was also Columbo. I was like, I'm really liking my mysteries. I'm going to watch Columbo, and I watched the first episode of Columbo, which is actually movie length. Like okay. they, I think they started off just doing movies and became a series. But do you know who directed the first episode of Columbo? You do. You know. Do I? Yeah. Steven Spielberg. Correct. Really? Yeah. That was just a pure fluke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously very early in his career, but it's it's fine, and it's weird, because I, I don't think... I used to love watching Columbo, but I don't remember yeah, what it I'm, was about. I'm sure I've watched Columbo as a kid, but other than the fact that he's got a wonky eye and a raincoat, I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about Columbo. And the thing is, is, is he's bumbling. He's comes in, and he's playing dumb, and this and that, and it's... You know who the criminal is. You see the crime happen. In the, well, I don't know if every episode's the same, so it's not a whodunit, because you know who did it, and you know how they did it, Yeah, but it's how he figures it out so you're following him so it's not like Sherlock Holmes where you have no idea you're never going to figure out it's it's all about how clever Sherlock is in your Agatha Christie mysteries it's all about who did it yeah. And all the all the things are there for you to figure out. And you have to work it out before they do it. You can yeah. figure it out. So it's all there for you to figure out. Where Sherlock Holmes, you're never going to know. Because you you're, you don't know what he knows. Yeah. Where this is, you know how they did it. You know who did it. It's like, how is he going to figure it out? How is he going to put it together? Okay. And that was kind of cool. Where I've watched Jonathan Creek for the first time, which has been around for like 15 years. I, yeah, but, I can remember seeing that as well. I, I quite like that. And that was a how did it. Yeah. So you knew who did it or whatever. But how did they do it? And because he's a magician, he figures out how they come and did the trick so I was like ah oh, or did the murder you know okay. through 
deduction in that way. So I'm really digging my mysteries, I think, at the moment. So mm. That's my TV, so quite a bit, actually. Yeah, well, I've been watching a little bit, and speaking of magicians, my wife has started watching a show called Dynamo Magic Unlimited or something like that, which is this sort of English street magician called Dynamo who just goes around, like, we've watched a couple of episodes so far, and the first episode he was in New York, and then the second episode he was in South Africa. And it's just him going around the streets doing this up-close magic. And I don't know if it's, like, trick photography in the in the filming, but the tricks he does, I have no idea how he can do them. Like, the one we are watching in South Africa, he went into a bar, and there was, like, a row of bottles up on, like, empty bottles up on top of the bar, and he, he got this guy, a group of young kids that were sitting around, and he's like, write your initials on this coin and tell me which bottle, and I'll flick this coin. And he's sort of put the coin in the palm of his hand and flicked it with his other finger and managed to get it inside the bottle up on the bar and the coin itself was too big to actually come out of the bottle they had to break the bottle to show them it was the coin with this guy's initials written on it so it was really trippy i don't know how he did it magic but it, it is magic mm. but then in another episode he went into like this jelly belly jelly bean store with a group of american college kids when he was in new york and he put a bunch of different flavoured jelly beans in one bowl and asked one girl what her favourite jelly bean flavour was and he somehow turned them all into that flavour. So, hmm, it's kind of cool. But yes, we've been watching a little bit of that because, as I said, my wife's kind of into the, the whole magic side of things. I'm very tempted to try and watch Penn and Teller's Fullness, which was a show they did in England, which hasn't actually, I don't think, come out here. So we might have to try and source that somehow. But basically... The premise for that was that Penn and Teller are pretty much interviewing aspiring magicians and they show them a trick. And if Penn and Teller can actually work out how they've done it, they kind of lose. But if they don't, it's like, yeah, you've pulled one over on the Masters sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. I'll be interested to try and track that down. But other than that, I've been watching a couple of things and I might jump into a bit of good show, bad show here. And I started watching American Horror Story, which is now in its fourth season. I've never watched any previous American horror stories. that doesn't matter because they're all their own self-contained. they're all their own, but apparently it turns out that they are slightly connected. Mm -hmm. But they do have a lot of crossover actors in them as well, playing different roles. But on Halloween night, after I came home from trick-or-treating with the kids, I thought, I feel like watching something scary. And I thought, well, I don't know if I really feel like watching a horror movie. And I'd heard some good stuff about American Horror Story, this latest series, which is Freak Show. And I kind of like the whole idea of the circus freaks. So I, I... watched a few episodes of that and i was so hooked i ended up watching four episodes in a row on halloween night and i'm now hanging with bated breath each week waiting for the new ones to come out yeah basically it's set in the 50s in a struggling freak show in rural florida and it's like one of the last freak shows that are still around because they're slowly getting phased out i actually was listening to commander and johnny talking about the x-files and they were talking about the episode with Jim Rose, Sideshow Circus. Oh, and yeah. And they said that there's a town, and it could be in Florida or somewhere near that, where during the off-season for the freak shows, they all go and live around this area. Oh, okay. So it's, it was a town that was populated by freaks, and there was the post office had... There was two desks that you could go up to, and there was one for little people okay. to go and attend. And they said... And, like, they're all excited reading about this, going, oh, don't get too excited. It's like someone got excited saying, let's go visit this town. <laughs> and they're going, don't get too excited because it's phasing out. Like, the, the freak shows are disappearing. Yeah. And the amount of freaks that, that are out there are disappearing. Like, with screening in utero and all this sort of stuff, people yeah. are giving birth to less what you would call freaks mm. or anomalies and those sort of things. So, you're not getting mm. freak shows or carny types. Okay. The whole premise of this season was that yeah, they've set up camp with their, their freak show in this little town just at the same time that there's been a couple of grisly murders going on. 
and then the freaks can get accused of being involved in the murders and just how it pans out from there. But it's got a really good cast. It's Jessica Lang is in it, and I think she was in, she was in the first one, one of the other ones as well. Think, yeah. And Michael Chiklis has turned up a couple of episodes in as the circus strongman, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But the, the effects in it are really well done. Like Sarah Paulson, I think her name is, who was in American Gothic years ago back in the day, she stars as conjoined twins. And the way they film it to make it look like she is the conjoined twins is done really well. And they've got like a couple of pinheads, like in Todd Browning's Freaks. Mm-hmm. But they're actually completely made up. Oh, wow. A lot of latex and makeup to make them look like real pinheads and stuff. So, but yeah, as I said, I, I don't know what it was about it, but within the first few minutes of watching it, I was completely hooked. And then I found out that it was actually created by Ryan Murphy, who was the guy that did Glee. Oh, wow. And I thought they could not be any different from Glee to this, other than the fact that. In every episode, there's a musical number. And despite the fact that it's set in the 50s, they're using almost modern music. It's probably the first song Jessica Lang sang David Bowie's Life on Mars as part of her circus act. Yeah. It's kind of trippy how they bring modern music into this sort of 50s freak show sort of thing. So, yeah. Hmm. So, yes, I'm, I'm very intrigued. Is it and gross? Is it gruesome? It's very full on. There's a few murders even in the first episode, like even the very first cold open before the credits start, it's involving a murder. And just blood splatters okay. quite full on, very realistic looking violence. So okay. if you're a little bit squeamish and looking at your face, you. it sounds no, like No, 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 no. It's just more maybe something the wife and I can get into, but yeah. maybe she won't like that. No, because I know I was watching it and my wife sort of came in the room and was like, what on earth are you watching? And I was like, it's American Horror Story. And she's like, I'll just go back in the bedroom. I'll skip my coat. <laughs> yeah, I'll get my coat. But yes, that's the good thing I've started watching. Mm. On the other hand, we'll talk about bad TV. And other than the fact that they've shown clips of it on the soup, I, I really don't know why I watched it, but I finally got around to watching an episode of Dating Naked. You're, you're a fool. I am. And I, I really don't know. There's nothing sexy about this program because everything is pixelated it's rated what do they call it in america pg-14 yeah something like that so it's a naked dating show with naked people going around a a resort meeting each other the premise is they get a guy and a girl and they set them up on a date which they go and do naked and they go and do some sort of like snorkeling or something in this tropical island resort and then they set them up for another date with someone else and then they come back and decide who they want to date but yeah, I, I really don't know why I watched it. And I tried to show you a little bit of it earlier tonight, and you were like, what the hell is this shit? So, yeah, I don't know if I'll stick that out, but it was interesting just to have a look at. And another good thing I've started watching is I've kind of got back on the wrestling bandwagon quite recently. I've been rather hooked with WWE's programming, but I've been hearing a lot about an upcoming show that's just started now in the States called Lucha Underground, which is produced by Mark Burnett, who's pretty much a reality TV superstar. He created Survivor, amongst other things. And he's got together with AAA, the Mexican Federation, and he's actually doing like a Lucha Libre show in America, based out of Los Angeles, with half Americans and half Mexican stars in it. And the wrestling itself is just your standard Mexican wrestling, which is your normal high-flying, very flashy sort of style. But the fact that Mark Burnett's involved means they've given it a bit more of a storyline twist and there's a bit of interesting backstory for each wrestler and stuff like that. So we're two episodes into that now and I'm, I've watched both of them and thought they were both pretty good. They've got John Morrison's probably one of the big stars that's in it. He's now Johnny Mondo and they're making a big deal about the fact that they've brought him back and it's been a couple of years since he's been wrestling, but he's a superstar and then they've got Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, so Chavo's probably one of the, the bigger names they've got on it as far as like recognizable 
Americans. Are they, are they, is it targeted to a Hispanic audience? I or think it's it? kind of targeted. It's on the El Rey network in, the, in America, which is like a very Mexican-friendly network. But it's all English commentary. Everything's like targeted more, I think, for the American market. They do run a, a different version of it also on the weekends in America as well with full Spanish commentary on one of the Spanish networks as well. But they've got Matt Stryker, who was a ex-WWE commentator and wrestler and vampiro who was in wcw and spent a lot of time in mexico as well as the color commentator but it's good they kind of they'll talk through the matches as well sort of explaining the whole heritage of the masks and what everything means in mexico and the fact that it's a big deal so yeah it's i don't know but apparently it's going to be filmed in seasons so it's going to be like you know a few episodes in a block will be that season rather than being like a weekly ongoing story like WWE is. But yeah, so far I'm, I'm quite liking it. Cool. And as a fan of Mexican wrestling, I think it's probably good to see a bit of it get a bit more exposure. But yes, that's my, my TV watching. Yep. I haven't really had a chance to get out to the movies at all this month, but I know you've had I a have. couple of we, we, um, new releases. We had date night, or date afternoon really, but so it was our anniversary, so... This is my, you and your wife, not yes, me and you. Yeah. My parents went off, looked after the kids, so we went and saw Gone Girl, the David Fincher, Ben Affleck movie, and it's okay. Like yeah. it, it's that's funny because it's the first not shining review I've heard. It's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with it, and it's good that I saw it and I was intrigued. The performances were good. It was okay directed. It was. It's just, it's just like okay, what what's so special? I don't know. It's, okay, I don't know. It's fine. Like I, I, the ending was a bit weird. So I'd like, I'd like to talk to you about it when you see it. So well, we can see, discuss I don't it know now. if I will see it. So and, and I'm not I'm yeah. not going to spoil it just in case you do. But it's it, it's it's good. The story is good. So I mean, the book would have been fine, okay. like as well. It sort of become takes a twist and sort of becomes a bit melodramatic as opposed to being a really good thriller. Okay, and it became a bit really. But no, eh, it's all right. From what I've heard, it's one of those endings that once you know it, there's no point sort of going on. It's sort of thing. No, so, I, I don't know. The, the how it's spoilery, I guess. No, the how's okay. That's enough to keep you going, hmm. I think. Another movie, a new one. Went to the movies and I saw Interstellar last night. Is that the Matthew McConaughey? Matthew McConaughey, Christopher Nolan. And I went with Mondi and Dave and Mondi loved it. And I, I'm not the same opinion with him. Like, it, again, <laughs> it was a fine movie without being anything special. I won't need to see it again. It was a two and a half hour movie, so it's a long one. The effects were fine. It reminds me of 2000. It's like... The, Christopher Nolan's 2001, basically. Oh, okay. Um, there's a bit of sunshine in there, maybe. It's a bit of... I, like, I don't think it's totally... It doesn't feel totally original to me. Yeah. Like, it's sort of like... Yeah, it is an original story. He's gone and written this thing. And like Inception, don't think about it. Like, the problem is I'm thinking about it now. Because when you go and make a good film that's trying to be a science fiction film, the science has to hold up. Yeah. So you create a thing. And if it's Star Wars or science fantasy, it doesn't matter. You've yep. got the Force, you've got this, you've got that. You, do, you don't question it because it's sort of like, it just is. The problem with The Phantom Menace when you start doing the prequels of Star Wars is they try to explain things away. Science like, oh, the, the Force is midi-chlorons and you blah, blah, blah. Oh, hang on. Yeah, and then exactly. all of a sudden you, you start thinking about it. Before, you didn't care. It just was. You just accepted it. Yeah, where, like Inception, loved the movie when I saw it. Thought it was great for a while. Then you start thinking about Inception. And as soon as you start picking inception apart it doesn't hold up yeah so you just leave it so i stopped thinking yeah, about I, it and that, I really that's the it. thing with inception i loved it when i saw it but i haven't gone back to rewatch it because 
I'm done. I've seen it. I've yep. seen what I And Interstellar is the same sort of thing. And Inception is a much better film for me. I enjoyed it for what it was more. Interstellar was good. I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I saw it on the big screen, I can tell you now. Because if I had an iPad nearby, I would have been <laughs> distracted because it could have easily taken out 40 minutes of that thing. Oh, okay. It was a long movie. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, you'll see Matthew McConaughey probably be up for best actor. Or if he is, I know exactly the scene that they'll show. <laughs> for why he's up for best actor I, you know Anne Hathaway as well she'll get it too she, like, I know which scene they'll show her acting and things but okay. it, it, I just can't recommend it just it. didn't impress you <sighs> kind of bits of it but yeah it's, it's it, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny as far as I'm looking at it where like I said my mate loved it okay. he's a hard science fiction fan like he reads you know, three books a week and that sort of stuff for so, I don't know, maybe he's smarter than me and he got something more out of it than I did. But, but one more movie I will talk about. I was just had Netflix on the other day and I put a lot of crap in my queue just to sort of, oh, yeah, that looks interesting. And someone who I've mentioned, I think, on here a lot, but whenever anyone gets a chance, I will say my hate for Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. And what was on Netflix was um, Leprechaun from 1993, which is a horror movie with Warwick Davis as a leprechaun and yeah a very young Jennifer Aniston in her first starring role and it's just a shitty 90s horror film and I thought yeah I'll put this on I can hate her even more I can turn around and watch this bad film and say yeah you still suck Jennifer Aniston she wasn't bad in it. Okay. Uh, she had her original face which was quite appealing rocking around in her little long short denim shorts the sort of not short cut off shorts I was sort of well, upper 90, thigh length it was 1993 with flower patches on them or something okay. it was very blossom getting around their Reeboks aerobic shoes and and you could actually I could see something in her in this shitty sort of movie you could sort of see that she had some chops acting and she had some comedy acting and I could see why she became a star okay you can sort of see it there and it's like you're not that bad and then I realised I don't like Jennifer for two things one the whole her and Brad breakup and <laughs> how awkward it was. And I was on Team Brad. And I also didn't like Rachel in Friends. Yeah. I actually started hating Rachel by the end of when I stopped watching Friends. I don't think I got to the end of the 10th season. But I liked the show at the start. I thought she was very attractive at the start of the show. But I hated the transformation of the character, Rachel, and the way she was written. Yeah. So I don't like Jennifer Aniston because of that character and the Brad thing. Okay. But it's not like, oh... Yeah. I, I've seen her in a couple of things and thought she was all right. She was in With the Millers, which yeah. is a bit of a, a break from her normal sort of type of role, and she was all right in that. A horrible bosses. I mean, I, I I could probably give it a go, but any romantic comedies like the one with what's his name, Kevin Costner, not interested. Along came Polly, didn't like. Yeah, I'm just not the breakup with Vince Vaughn. Just whoa, don't, don't go near it. The only thing to make it worse if Kate Hudson was in it. But um, yeah, so but yeah, watching this Leprechaun movie, it's it's a bit weird. It's funny, like it's it's not a terrible movie. It was actually entertaining. Like it didn't hurt me to watch. But okay. and there's a scene where she's driving away because he she goes to the hospital for some reason. Then she's he's attacks her there, so she's running away from the Leprechaun. She drives in a car. He's in a wheelchair. He's chasing her down the street, wheeling in a wheelchair. <laughs> keeping up with the car <laughs> it's a leprechaun in a wheelchair in a car chase it's funny exactly so are you going to dig up the new version of leprechaun with WWE's Hornswoggle probably not leprechaun role no? no probably not alright well that's your movies I've only had two movies I've really watched this month yeah and they're both old ones we, how much did you watch and how much were you playing WWE Supercard well we 
My wife and I decided we were going to watch Enchanted again, which is the Disney poke fun, take the piss out of Disney itself movie with mm. the live action cartoon crossover starring Patrick Dempsey and Amy Adams. And it still holds up, I guess. I, I saw it quite a while ago, just before we had kids, just after we had kids, I think it was. And now we've gone back and watched it with the kids and, and we kind of enjoyed it. It was interesting to look back now after watching Godspell a couple of months ago for the show that it was Stephen Swartz that did the music for okay. Godspell also wrote the songs for Enchanted. And a couple of the songs in Enchanted are really good. Like, I, you're looking at me funny again, but I know it's not something you probably would have watched. I've seen it. Have I went you? to the pictures to see it. I went to the pictures to see it, so yeah. there you go. And, yeah, there's that one scene they do where she does the big musical number in Central Park, and just watching that, it's like, yeah, this is... This is what's all over. But yeah, we, I kind of enjoyed rewatching that. And I did actually sit and watch all of it without my iPad. Oh. Another movie that we did watch, again, an older movie that the iPad was out pretty much five or six minutes into the film. We decided we were going to watch Speed because it was on Foxtel On Demand. And that movie does not hold up. Really? Yeah. Okay. There, I will take your word for it, but I am got a doubting Thomas look on my face. The acting in it, actually, the, the premise of it doesn't hold up. The acting in it is terrible. There is just an abundance of shitty one-liners that are in that movie. Dennis Hopper is just chewing scenery through it like nothing on earth. Sandra Bullock is terrible, but then I just find Sandra Bullock terrible in, in almost everything. What's your mouth? Done. Name a good movie that Sandra Bullock's done. Judge Dredd. No, Demolition Man. Demolition Man. Demolition Man. Seashells. But no, <laughs> Speed, Speed was... I did not enjoy re-watching Speed. I mean, I love Speed for a movie. I just wish it ended with a bus. The train I mean, bit exactly. at the end is just so superfluous, like yeah. swearing in snuffbox. <laughs> Again, that's something I thought as well. I, I found that... Either I had more of an attention span back in the 90s when it came out, or I'm just, there's something wrong with me now, ADD or something. But I just found that for a movie called Speed, I found that it dragged really badly. And yeah, there was just that whole, probably what, 15, 20 But what about when the old the lady end? gets blown off, off the step? Was it a lady or a dude? Is it a lady? I think it's a lady. I think it's not a lady. Yeah. Because she wouldn't get off the step and he blew up the bus. Yes. Bit and she died. Yeah. That was funny. No, it wasn't. Cans. It was cans. <laughs> I killed a kid. No, it was cans. Yeah. I remember that. There, there were bits of it. it was just, yeah, certain scenes I really didn't understand. Are you seeing Speed 2 now? No. Oh. I've, I've tried to watch Speed 2 years ago when it first came out, and I probably got about half an hour in, and we just went, no, I am not watching this shit, and I don't think I'm I've only seen it. the end on TV once, so the boat going through a town. That, yeah. That's all I've seen. How it got there, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just jaded of watching like modern action films that are a bit faster paced because I'm tempted I mean I haven't seen The Rock since I saw it at the pictures and The Rock was an amazing movie yeah I remember it being an amazing movie I don't know I'm, I'm scared to go back now yeah I, I don't know like as I mentioned sort of earlier in the year when we rewatched Lethal Weapon I found that the first couple of Lethal Weapons were still really good action films but by the end of it the writing and the the whole one liners and just bad jokes and stuff just killed the movie I think that's what Speed's problem was Pop quiz asshole well, yeah it's that sort of stuff and the whole you know how do they know it's him because he's giving him the, the, the gold, gold watch on the bomb and the bomb and all that sort of stuff but I thought Alan Ruck was just over the top the guy that was in Ferris Bueller is like the oh I've already seen the airport I don't want to be here again sort of that sort of thing I just thought was terrible but then I thought that was pretty bad the first time <laughs> but the, the first thing where Keanu first gets on the bus and there's like this Mexican gang looking guy that thinks he's on the bus for him and he's like I'm just going to put my gun away and we're just going to be two dudes we're not going to be a policeman sort of thing I thought that was just shit but I don't, I don't know I, maybe I'm just 
too old now for speed. You were. But yes, that was my movies. Speaking of speed, as I've mentioned, I've got a very young son who... I've got a very loving, caring wife who deals with him overnight because I have to work still and she doesn't. But when it comes to weekends, all those bets are off. And it's like, will you deal with your son? And so it should be. Yeah, so Saturday mornings, 6 o'clock, it's like, go deal with your son. Get him up. He's up. Go. So you oh. Thunderbirds together? Yes! Exactly. Thunderbirds are still on at 6 in the morning. This is something my whole life... Saturday morning, Thunderbirds, 6 o'clock. Fuck, that's boring. You're talking speed is boring. Thunderbirds is fucking boring. Well, I can remember re-watching a Thunderbirds fairly recently when they brought out the Channel 9 I don't know, Go app or whatever it's called. And that was one of the first things that I, I saw there. And I thought, oh, I'll give this a watch. And it was the episode that I think I've probably seen Does 500 mean- times. The one where there's... The bomb or something in the undercarriage of the plane and they have to... Well, that's why I bought up Thunderbirds because apparently Speed is three Thunderbirds episodes. Okay. There's a bit where a plane can't land so yeah. they get three cars essentially. The elevator to, trucks to land, to, to land on that. So there's that which is sort of in Speed. Yeah. And there's another bit with him on the trolley behind you know he's being yeah. on the the wheels on the yeah. like the under, under the bus thing. and yep. all that sort of... Yeah. So yeah apparently the like, different things in Speed are like pretty much taken up from three bits of Thunderbirds. And Sandra Bullock does look like Lady Penelope. <laughs> and yeah. it's just Thunderbirds just so fucking dull. It just takes forever. Is It's an hour show or, or a half hour? It feels like an hour. I think it is an hour. But like, there's not many episodes either, but it's just like so fucking slow. But, and I mean, I understand why. The yeah. models are great and they spend a lot of time on it, which is great because they should because they've spent so much time and yeah. making these models look good. But it's just shit. And the, I know the acting is wooden because they are. But the, the voices, like brains, just get the fucking words out. Like, I don't know why they gave him this stammer just to make things even last longer than they have to. Fuck off. It's just, yeah, and he did so many other things, Jerry Anderson, but Thunderbirds is the one that everyone remembers him for. That they keep showing. Groundbreaking at the time. Well, no, he did Fireball XL5, he did Supercar. Did he do Stingray? Was that Yeah. Yeah. So he did a few beforehand. I mean, they got better, and this was in colour and everything like that. Yeah. But there's only 32 episodes. So when you said someone you saw 500 (laughs) times, there's a reason for that. Well, it's been on for at least 40 years of television. Yes. Yes. The music is good, though. Dun, 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 dun. But what I don't get... You know, you've, you've seen it a lot more than me. Yep. International Rescue. Yep. They're a super-secret organisation that rescues people. Why are they secret? <laughs> They've got uniforms. They do all this sort of stuff. Oh, you're international. People know who they are. Yeah. Yet no one knows where they come from. Exactly. Tracy Island. Yeah, but no one knows that. You know that, because you watched it. A lot. <laughs> but... But the world doesn't know that. And it's like, oh, they just go and help people. No one asks them. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen enough to understand. But uh, from what I gather, they're, they're, they're hiding. That's why all the rockets are hidden in the pools and the palm trees. But why, they've obviously why got are money they though, a secret? They've got, they've got one guy out in space in a space station. The whole time. Poor bastard. Yes. But yeah, it's just One of strange. them looks like Billy Idol. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then you got... What's... Oh, what's... Lady Penelope. And no. Uh, it's a strange program. Tintin's in it. Yes. Just racist. <laughs> and John Howard drives Fab <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That's anyway. Well, that's our TV watching. It's That's everything watching. It is everything watching. But we, we weren't going to do a topic this month, but we are going to bring up something else that we want to talk about. And that's a new biography book that's just come out by Box Brown. Did the artwork? I have no yeah. idea. But yeah, I should have brought it back with me, shouldn't I? But <laughs> they've brought out an Andre the Giant biography graphic novel. Yeah. And you've recently picked that up and, 
and read it quite easily and yes. lent it to me and I read it all in one session. And we thought we'd have just a, a brief little discussion about what we thought about that. Yeah, because I mean, we're obviously wrestling fans. We've talked about that quite a bit. And yeah. Andre is an icon of not just wrestling. He transcends wrestling. Before Hulk Hogan did, he was, you know, he was in The Fall Guy. He was? No, Bionic Man. Bionic Man is Six Sasquatch or something, yes. wasn't he? Yeah, you know, he, he transcended wrestling quite a bit. He was it's a huge man. And reading this story, he's got one hell of a story, even to the point where he was in The Princess Bride. Yeah. And Billy Crystal and him became friends after that. And Billy Crystal wanted to make a movie about his life and ended up making one about a Nigerian basketballer or something stupid. But yeah. he wanted to make one on him. And he, pretty much till he died, he was a wrestler's wrestler. He, he was involved in the scene. And yeah. he did outside. And he probably made more money in wrestling than anyone before or after, purely for the fact that he was such a drooker. He's, he's got such a weird life. Like I said, he was friends with Billy Crystal. And as a teenage boy, he was driven to school by Samuel Beckett, the playwright who wrote Waiting for Gotto, which is just weird. Like, it's just strange. And this book talks about that, but talks about this guy who is seven foot four. Yeah. He had, oh, I can't remember the name of the disease, but basically he just kept growing. Yep. Which was the yeah he had a growth problem with his pituitary gland or gland something, or something like, that. like that, and, and when that's was, what essentially killed him in the end, is because his organs and everything kept growing and his joints couldn't yeah. keep up. And yeah, it was his downfall at forty something. He didn't. Yeah, he was he was young. Yeah, but it's weird because I got into wrestling around WrestleMania one time, so that would have been early eighties, and at that stage, Andre was probably one of the biggest names in wrestling. And from then, I guess he got jobbed out by Vince McMahon. He got turned into this massive nobody, really. Well, the by thing then, is, he was, like we said, he was getting older. Yeah. He was getting sicker, essentially, with the with his ailment. So he couldn't work yeah, like, he, like he, he did. He was much slower in the ring. He was getting bigger and heavier. And he actually was shrinking, in a way. Yeah. Like, as he started off, at his biggest, he was seven foot four. By the time he died, he'd probably got down about... 611 or something. Yeah, he'd had a lot of surgeries and it compacted his back and mm. stuff like that. And so he wasn't the wrestler he was 15 years earlier. Yeah. So when we saw him, he was not in his prime, but he was still a giant of a man. Yeah. And the story they told with him was amazing. Like, but that Hulk Hogan thing, WrestleMania 3, the whole turn. Yeah, because he was always lovable too. He was Andre the Giant. He was everyone's friend. He was the, the champ. Yeah. And then when they brought him in, what we saw was he turned on Hogan, who was the biggest face at the time, and he didn't like the limelight being taken off and he became a heel went with Bobby the Brain Heenan who's probably the best manager ever and you got this massive heel versus massive face and the the amazing story of Hogan against the giant and it kind of made Hogan though didn't it Mm -hmm. and and they mentioned that in the book as well that Hogan wouldn't be the star that he is now if Andre didn't put him over yeah because they leading up to that they'd they'd had this whole gimmick that Andre had been undefeated for 15 years even though he had but they made it out to be that he was this unbeatable monster and then suddenly he was going to challenge Hogan for the title and it was like how's Hogan going to do it and the art style of the book it's very cartoony yeah, very it's, very, it's very simplistic but there was just something about it and the stories that were in it I knew a couple of the stories in it but there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff about Andre that I didn't know yeah, it's a very if you don't know anything about wrestling it sort of explains along the way so there's a lot of redundancies if you do know wrestling but it's, it's fun to read through some of the ways it's explained. I did like the way they did the breakdown of the match and they sort of said, you know, this is how the he does his bit and then the bad guys, the, the heels, have their comeback and yeah. makes him look stronger because he can yeah. he can do what he does sort of thing. But yeah, a lot of the, like the drinking stories of Andre and the whole him as a person was really interesting. Like I knew a lot about... Because I mean, he's obviously had an alcohol problem. Yeah. 
and I guess he was in pain a lot. And the thing, not only did he have an alcohol problem, there was a problem that affected how much he needed to drink to get drunk. Yeah. Like bottles of vodka, you know, <laughs> just to, to, to get take the edge off. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of stories, and there, there's I've heard more that aren't in this book. Like yeah, It's quite a exactly. thick comic, but it's, it's an easy read. But it's got a few stories in there, but not a lot. Yeah, ones where he couldn't crap hotel toilets because they were too small. In so Japan. He's, and he yeah. just, so he crap in bars and things like that. Because he's so big for the road trips and plane trips, and he loves playing cribbage or bridge or something. Cribbage, yeah. cribbage. And he's just a very simple man who had a farm in America in the end, and that's yeah, and that's, that's, what that's he all he wanted to do. He just wanted to retire and live on his ranch and be away from people because he, he got at stared him. at yeah. all the time. So I mean, it was quite a sad story in the end. He was quite a lonely man in a lot of ways. He had plenty of friends around him and people around him, but really, he was no. I, I assume he never got married, no kids. So. Well, he had a daughter. They, oh, he does? They, did, they do mention that in oh, the book as well. He totally. had like a, a one-night stand. Oh, that's right, yes. had a daughter. And then just before he died was when they came out and sort of publicly went on TV and sort of went, you know, you're the father, she looks just like you, you should do something about it. And then that was, yeah, just before his death. Yeah. But it was a really good read, and I'm glad I did. And it kind of made me want to go back and, YouTube, and watch. Because yeah, I YouTube. YouTube pretty much as soon as I finished it, I'm going to... Because, like I said, we, we saw him at the end of his career. So I heard stories that in his prime, he was doing drop kicks and doing all this high-flying. Not super, not like Mexican wrestling, but, but yeah, he was quite... More for... Very quick. Not what you'd expect for a man of his size. Yeah, and um, what I saw was an old man who looks older than his age, yeah. who was big and fat and lumbering and all this. But in the book, it actually said he, he started in Europe, worked his way through Japan to Canada, and in Canada, he was a draw for a while. But after wrestling every week, people got used to it. Yeah. So it was sort of like, oh, they, they ruined him by using him too much. Yeah. So we end up moving down to the WWF, run by Vince McMahon Senior. WWF in yeah. those days. And basically said, all right, you're this now, this is how we're going to work it, and we're going to move you around. So you're yeah, going to well, wrestle was... once, and you're going to disappear for a while and come back. And just to make the stigma of you bigger. So, And you're not going to do any of that flying stuff or jumping. You're, you're a monster. You're a machine. So you, they slowed his yeah. wrestling down. So the wrestling we grew up seeing him was the new version of Andre. And that was back in the days of the territories where they could farm out a champion or farm out, you know, a heel to a different territory and they would not outstay their welcome. They would do the rounds for a couple of months in, in one place and then move on somewhere else. And and that's where Andre made his money. And that's also where Vince Senior made his money as well, because Andre was under contract to the WWF and Vince was getting a booking fee for shipping him out to all these other places. And I, he came out to Australia back in like the heyday. Oh, this is what... After yeah, the Festival Hall, I went back sort of to YouTube to look for some of these matches to see, all right, just how agile was he? Because I've only seen Fat Slow Andre. Yeah. And he wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting high-flying drop kicks and this and that. He was, it was 70s wrestling. It was... Yeah. It was quick for 70s wrestling, yes, but it's not modern Rey Mysterio sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. In looking at the YouTube and watching his old stuff, he was... He came to Australia quite a bit. Yeah. And there was footage of EJ Witten, the AFL superstar legend used to do commentary or interviews on the Australian Channel 9 World Championship Wrestling and there he is interviewing Andre and it was just like funny watching the Australian wrestling scene with yep. him as part of it and it's like oh wow we, yeah. we, were, we were a thing you know we weren't just a backwater back then we did get big names come out and well there was big money in Australian wrestling in the 60s and the the Americans would come out here for you know long periods and and do their thing. So yeah, but no, if you if you have any sort of passing interest in older style of wrestling, I I would give this a go. I remember hearing about it a while ago that it was going to come out, and I thought yeah that'd be a good read. 
and when you said you picked it up i was very keen to read it after you were finished with it so as i said yeah if you're if you're a wrestling fan or sort of an historic wrestling fan pick it up it's a good read you'll probably like we did want to jump on youtube afterwards and look at some stuff i i know i've got the andre documentary larger than life that wwe put out a few years ago that i I was tempted to go back and watch but i thought no i'll just stick to the the youtube side of things rather than the documentary side of things and i watched a few of his matches especially some of his japanese stuff because i I like the way he worked in japan because the japanese know how to treat a big man and yeah there was one match in particular against uh, akira maeda where maeda kicks andre in the face and breaks his nose with quite a good one because it's one of the few times that someone actually stood up to Andre and, and gave him a bit of what for. Oh, wow. So, yeah. But, well, there's one story in there where basically they put Andre against a legit boxer yeah. in, in a boxing versus wrestling match, which and is, which they replicated in Rocky Three, pretty yeah. much. And as you said... Yeah, after I watched it on YouTube, I was thinking, yeah, that's almost see, blow see. for blow exactly for, from Rocky Three. But that was actually the undercard of the Muhammad Ali-Antonio Inoki match. That was... It's another wrestling versus boxer. Yeah, which yeah. was the... One of the very famous shoot fights, I guess, that was the the preemptive to mixed martial arts. And a lot of people say that's the match that destroyed Muhammad Ali's career because Antonio Inoki just laid on the ground and kicked him in the leg rather than standing there and taking punches from him. But yeah, the Andre match was the the undercard for that. Hmm. But no, I, I really enjoyed it and I'm, I'm glad I read it. So yeah. Cool. Alrighty, well, that's probably a nice place to wrap up this episode for November. We will be back in a couple of weeks this time around. We're going to do an early show in December because we're coming back with our top fives for the the year. And then later on in December, we are going to have something special coming out too. Alright, so if you have any feedback for us, come and have a look at our Facebook page. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. Drop us an email at themapodcast at gmail.com or you can see our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com and drop us a line tell us what you think about the show and yeah any other comments that you may have alrighty well that's us for the month thank you Mitch thank you no worries and we'll talk to you soon see you later bye bye
Hello and welcome to episode 34. It is 34. Isn't it? I don't know. 